Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by Bridge Bank. Be bold. Venture wisely. I'm Dan Pramack. On today's show, unicorns take Manhattan and a fox in Starbucks's hen house. But first, not all jobs are created equal. So as you've probably heard, particularly if you follow President Trump's Twitter feed, America has the lowest unemployment rate in decades. We've also had over 100 months of consecutive job growth, an all-time record that dates back to the middle of President Obama's first term. But those numbers and several other pieces of important labor data are being distorted by the so-called gig economy, which includes everything from Uber drivers to the folks from TaskRabbit who now help you put together IKEA furniture. At least that's the message of a new paper from the Dallas Federal Reserve, which notes that many gig economy workers report themselves as employed rather than as self-employed or as contractors, even though they are very much self-employed or contractors. In fact, several gig economy companies have even gone to court to keep it that way, since contractors often have fewer job protections and benefits than do actual employees. And as that number of not really employees grows, the data distortion also expands. In fact, there's been some argument that it explains why our decreasing unemployment hasn't led to inflation, a situation that's at the economic heart of President Trump's very public spat with the Federal Reserve. The bottom line, the gig economy is disrupting much more than just taxis and retail. In 20 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios Markets Editor Dion Rabuin. But first, this. The Equity Fund Resources Group at BridgeBank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Offering banking services for funds, partners, and their portfolio companies, BridgeBank's financial solutions are designed for the entire innovation ecosystem and include creative credit solutions, robust treasury and cash management capabilities, and a suite of international banking products. BridgeBank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. We're joined now by Axios Markets Editor Dion Rabowin. So, Dion, one of the arguments the Dallas Fed seems to be making in its paper is that the rise of gig economy workers makes the headline employment or the headline unemployment figure less relevant, maybe because it underplays labor slack. What does that mean? What is labor slack? Labor slack is basically just how much more there is for the labor force to tighten up, as in how many more people could realistically come into the job market. Unemployment has kind of a cap, really, in terms of, you know, there are just some people who aren't going to get jobs. So you get to a point where you run out of slack and the rope is as tight as it can possibly be. I would say, though, that I don't know that the Dallas Fed is saying that this makes the unemployment report less relevant. I would say that it's distorting it, kind of as you said in the intro. It's making it seem like there is less unemployment than there is, or there's more employment than there actually is. Is there a solution? So take an Uber driver, right? I mean, how should we consider that employment simply as a contractor? Do we have to care if they are actually not only just driving 40 hours a week, but actually getting paid to drive 40 hours a week since these gig economy workers often are on the clock, but only actually get paid when they're, you know, they've got a passenger in the backseat. Right, exactly. And they also aren't getting insurance benefits. They also aren't getting a lot of the other things that a traditional employee would get, like unemployment insurance for for example. So when they do fall out of the unemployment, you know, if they if they lose their job as an Uber driver or doing, you know, working with TaskRabbit, whatever it is, they don't have that cushion that the government typically provides workers. And that could also distort things once we hit uh, another recession. So there are a number of different things. But to answer your question, it's a really complicated process because there isn't something in these categorizations for someone who works in the gig economy or is a contract. I mean, there's contractor, but a lot of these people typically what contract work would mean is different from what it means today because as you said someone can work 40 80 hours a week and still not be employed from your perspective 
of that? Is this simply a case of the economists, whether they be government economists or even private economists, simply just not having kept up with the times yet? And there's just going to be this lag and they'll get there eventually because, you know, labor market changes. Labor economists eventually pick that up. Yeah, you'd hope so. Right. And that's, I think, what this Dallas Fed paper is getting at, that there needs to be some kind of change in the way that we report or the way that people report their employment situation. Uh, the change in terms of people and, and that's how they've categorized this or figured out how big it is or how big the number of people is, is by those people that are paying the self-employment tax. So a lot of people are categorizing themselves as employed, but they also pay the self-employment tax, which would suggest you're not employed. So they've got to take some action. That number has risen from about uh, 10% to about 13% between 1990 and 2019, which doesn't seem like a lot until you realize you're talking about a country of 250 million to 300 million people during that time. You know, it's an interesting thing because, I mean, obviously, you know, these are boxes that, that somebody checks off and the way somebody reports themselves, but it almost suggests that some of these gig economy companies are doing a pretty good job of marketing to their own workers or their own contract workers, basically convincing them they're employed. I mean, you know, we hear about, you know, the Uber and the Lyft driver strikes, et cetera, but it would appear that most of the folks who are working for these companies view themselves as employees, even though they're not. Yeah. And I think Lyft and Uber and other companies certainly encourage that. Uh, but I also think there is a, a tendency of people to have pride in their work and have pride in having a job. And we don't really have a definition for a word other than employed for having a job. So these people have jobs, but they're technically not employed in the labor market statistical sense of the word. So I think it just goes back to the idea that, you know, as a person, and you want to have a job, you want to be taking care of your family and, you know, that all that American jazz about, you know, being a self-made man and whatnot. You don't want to say, hey, you know, I'm underemployed. I'm missing out on all these things. I'm missing out on health insurance and blah, blah. When you get that form, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm employed. I have a job. No problem. So, Dan, I wonder, there's two big things that have been talked about by labor economists or big uh, puzzles that, that they've been unable to solve for the last several years. And one has been the relative lack of inflation, given the low unemployment, usually the lower the unemployment number, the higher the inflation, or at least those things usually are working together. And secondarily, that while there has been wage growth, there hasn't been as much wage growth as you would expect given the stock markets and given, again, the low level of unemployment. Is the Dallas Fed suggesting that the gig economy is playing a big role in both of those anomalies? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that question because the answer is they're saying it plays a role. It's not the role. At the end of the day, what's been happening over the past 30 years is that people that run companies, boards, CEOs, top-level managers, have been taking a larger and larger share of total company profits. And the folks in the middle and at the bottom are just getting squeezed out. And so they're being pushed into these self-employment contracts. They're having their wages, their benefits cut. And as these companies have grown, their stock prices have grown, their share Shareholders have gotten bigger and bigger dividends, and you know, as share buybacks grow, the price goes up. But people who actually work, workers, are not getting in a share of that, or getting a smaller and smaller and smaller piece of that pie. That's what's really going on. And part of this puzzle, though, is the fact that a lot of people who should be reporting themselves as unemployed or underemployed because they're working these contract jobs are not. So again, it's a, it's a part, it's a piece that I think labor market economists have been looking at and saying, wait, there's another thing here. And this is maybe that other thing here. But the big deal and the big takeaway here is just, no, what's happening is corporations are taking the lion's share of all the new gains that are coming in and not really sharing that with any of the workers. Axios Markets Editor Dion Rabowen, thank you so much for joining us. My final two right after this. The Equity Fund Resource Group at Bridge Bank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. 
Leveraging nearly two decades of expertise delivering solutions to emerging technology and growth companies, BridgeBank now offers services for funds, SBICs, and general partners including creative credit solutions, robust treasury management capabilities, and a suite of international banking services. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Be bold, venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Wall Street, where a pair of tech unicorns last night raised more money than expected in their initial public offerings. The better known company was Pinterest, the social bookmarking site that raised $1.6 billion. The not quite so well known was video conferencing company Zoom, which raised $750 million. Now, why it matters is that there have been big concerns that there could be soft investor interest in buzzy tech IPOs following Lyft's big stock slide. But it didn't play out that way, arguably because Zoom is profitable and Pinterest, while still unprofitable, does seem to have a visible path from red to black. In other words, each unicorn gets judged on its own merits, not as a herd. And finally, Chinese coffee chain Luckin today raised $150 million in new venture capital funding as it battles Starbucks for local supremacy. But most notable is that most of that money, $125 million, came from BlackRock, the U.S. investor that is also Starbucks's second largest outside shareholder. So for BlackRock, maybe it's a hedge or maybe it believes there'll be multiple winners, particularly as Starbucks focuses more on in-store coffee purchases and Luckin focuses more on delivery. But either way, it's got to tick off Starbucks as Luckin has eaten into its market share in part by offering deep discounts that BlackRock's investment will only perpetuate. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, have a great national Animal Crackers Day. And we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata podcast.